Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, Dave Filoni, and John Favreau have dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host Brian Gunn and I are recording this show on Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. And seven years ago tonight, October 19th, 2015, the official trailer of Star Wars The Force Awakens premiered during ESPN's Monday Night Football. Uh, it was during a game between the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. By the way, the Eagles stomped the Giants 27-7. And you saw this in, in real time, right? Yeah, and I think it, it must have been a big thing for mm -hmm. ESPN. I, they probably had the biggest numbers. I watched the game. I wasn't too much interested because they're East Coast teams. But it was very exciting watching it for the first time because you know, we were waiting for years for something like this. And then Luke Skywalker was coming back. So it was something you wanted, you wanted to see. And it, it was cool. And then that was it. I was done with the game and I turned on something else. Probably NCIS. So ah. <laughs> but I, I bet the after they showed it, I bet the the ratings went down and it was mm. funny too because i think i think it may have been during mm. halftime and the announcers mm. announced it like it was mm. part of the game so that was that was kind of funny the the whole abc or the whole espn disney mm -hmm. synergy at work again do you remember the stories about they put the Phantom Mentis trailer in front of Meet Joe Black. Yeah, it was based on Death Takes a Holiday. There we go. And directed by uh, Martin Bress, who still one of my favorite directors. There we go. But I, I love the stories of there'd be this full theater full of people for Meet, right. Meet Joe Black. And the Phantom Menace would, would air. And then two-thirds of the theater would get up out of their seats and walk out. Because they had come to see that. Or at least for the opening weekend. Remember, then they put the trailer online they did they did and what about three million or thirty hundred million people saw it or something well if, if we're going to be specific here it was supposedly viewed 128 million times online during the wow. first 24 hours and then the moment after the trailer was screened on espn monday night football it, it then became you could buy your advance tickets. And so Fandango crashed. AMC yeah, yeah. You know, Theater's website crashed. MovieTickets.com went down. So the people at Disney had to be really happy. And at the same time, they had to be scared because they spent $256 million to $306 million on the production of The Force wow. Awakens. And only... Solo, a Star Wars story, was more expensive. The you know it was the first one was the really, really, really expensive one, and obviously Solo, a Star Wars story, because of the reshoot. You know that was what drove up the cost there. But it gets released. It makes two billion sixty million dollars during its its initial theatrical release, which to this day it is the highest grossing domestically released film avatar still holds the title for the highest grossing film release worldwide that's 2.9 billion dollars wow back then the, the future of star wars seemed to be on film and these days it's limited series and episode seven of star wars andor became available for viewing 
on Disney Plus, and Brian and I will be sharing our thoughts on that episode, which was entitled Announcement, on the second half of today's show. But first comes the news. And as always, the news portion of uh, Looking at Lucasfilm is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. We were just talking about Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, because the co-producer of that film, Michelle Rajwan, who up until recently was the senior vice president of live action development and production at Lucasfilm. Did you see where the trades were announcing early today that she's she's leaving her post? Did she get that post after Force Awakens? Well, yeah. She started off as the co-producer of that okay. film. Then, so she was one of JJ's people? Yeah. She actually came over from Bad Robot. Okay. And then uh, she was a full-on producer of Last Jedi. And then from there, she got this overarching gig now she has a new deal where she's serving as a producer at both Lucasfilm and Walt Disney Studios. And Disney, yeah, but she's still she's still producing, mm. or she's still on Willow. She's still walking Willow through. Yep. And I heard that if the Tai Tai Watiki mm. film goes, that she'll be producer on that one too. Yeah. So not good. You know, I I still want that one to happen because Taiko wants to try to do. The first Star Wars film that doesn't yeah. actually reference this, the Skywalker saga. Do you consider that a step back? Or do you consider that maybe just exploring other... I mean, they're not getting rid of her. Oh, or, no, 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 no. no. It, way- no, if, if anything, she produced Obi-Wan. She's one of the talents behind Andor. And as you mentioned, she's behind the Willow limited series. I mean, if anything, the fact that she signed an overall deal... With Lucasfilm and Walt Disney Studios is just sort of like, we'd like to spread the wealth around. Okay. Come over here and do things for the mouse house. That's like they they um, they want everybody to know that maybe um, Kevin Feige may do a Star Wars film too. Just like keep it, you know, make everybody happy. What <laughs> makes everybody happy at Disney these days is raising prices. But we're not here to uh... talk about that. All right, but I was trying to find out whether or not Rejuan had anything to do with the Osaka, Ahsoka limited series that Lucasfilm has in the works. And you were mentioning that that's been in production since two weeks before Star Wars Celebration, right? Yeah. Well, uh, the word is that production may finally be winding down. Uh, Louis Bordizo, she plays Sabine Wren, posted on Instagram, I guess, earlier this week. She just wrapped on the project. And very much looking forward to the show showing up on Disney+. Plus. But as of right now, all we have for info is it's it's due to debut sometime in early 2023. No, no locked-in date. Well, if they're wrapping things up, mm-hmm. I mean, they still haven't really officially announced who Thrawn was going to be. Mm-hmm. But I did hear that... Lars Mikkelsen mm-hmm. has signed to be Thrawn. Mm-hmm. And of course he was the voice in the cartoon in um Rebels. So I mean that would be a great thing that happened, but I mean, or are they gonna shoot the whole Thrawn slash um Ezra thing near the end? Are they doing it in order? I mean I did well, I, I suppose they're doing no. each episode in order. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many is it six episodes? Because this is a long time for six episodes. It is. But are we going to get like our nine 
a half hour long episodes that we got for She-Hulk or were we going to get our 12 relatively hefty 45 to 50 minute long of, of Star Wars Ander. I just get the sense lately that at least on the Disney Plus side of things, they're playing around with, oh, well, how, how many episodes? How long is this season? I think um, WandaVision and She-Hulk, mm. at first WandaVision was kind of like in the comedy mm-hmm. aspect of things, and so was She-Hulk. Mm. And remember, Mel Brooks said, you can't have a comedy movie more than 90 minutes, or you just people just lose how long can they laugh type of thing. That's so a true. half an hour sitcom, mm-hmm. or I don't know, they're not situation comedies, mm-hmm. but a half an hour comedy mm-hmm. makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Remember when Mandalor- uh, Mandalorian first came out, weren't the first couple episodes like 35 minutes? And they were kind of short. They got longer, but people were going, wait, this is too short for a, a dramatic adventure film. What was great about The Mandalorian is it delivered the goods. Oh, yeah. Applause to John Favreau for refusing all of the money that could have been made well in advance, getting the baby Grogu merch ready to roll out ahead of that episode, but keeping that a secret. Even at 35 minutes, it was still perfect. It was still great introduction of the world, the character, and set up the premise. Well, I'm just glad that um, Rejwan is is staying with it, mm. and... I just watched a great Netflix movie called Do Revenge. I've seen that title. What is that about? Oh, my gosh. It stars Camille Mendes, mm-hmm. who is on what Riverdale, mm-hmm. and then Maya Hawke. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a Mean Girls meets Dangerous Liaisons mm-hmm. meets uh, Heathers meets Strangers on a Train. And... It is phenomenal. The mm-hmm. acting is so amazing. And what she gets out of these two actresses, if not everybody, mm-hmm. the, the she meaning the director, is is just, it just blows your mind. And, and even Devin, poor Devin, he had a bad day. Mm-hmm. So uh, I taught him the best way to de-stress is to watch a movie. So he watched this and it made him feel good. It's, it's sort of a feel-good movie too. <laughs> it's, well, well, <laughs> mean Girls and, and Dangerous Liaisons. Yeah. And, and what was the uh, the, the third movie? Strangers on a Train. Oh, I, and, and, and that made him feel good? <laughs> you know, well, because it's it's got so many twists and but it's done in a very light way Mm -hmm. and maya hawk right now is you know she's basically doing light comedy Mm -hmm. or light drama and and she's amazing and of course that's ethan hawk's daughter isn't it oh yeah yeah Mm. i think she did this right after stranger things Mm. but i'm noticing that things that are directed by women Mm -hmm. somehow have a better feel to it and there's nothing in this that's awkward there's nothing in it that's going, oh, that embarrasses me, or that shouldn't be there. Whereas if you look at other romance comedies and stuff like that, there could be, you know, from a men's point of view sometimes, it could get a little frat boyish. But this doesn't have any of that. And I feel that if they just bring in more women and and more, you know, also people of color and to do what they do, that we're going to get a different feel when it comes to movies and TV shows. Speaking of female directors, though, I mean, we, of course, have Bryce Dallas Howard, who directed 
two episodes of The Mandalorian. Right. Likewise, one of Book of Boba Fett, which, by the way, we asked on our last show about how Boba Fett and Fennec Shand were coming to... Oh, that's uh, right. Coming uh, to... Um galaxy's edge of disneyland well yeah and, and luckily uh loyal lucas looking at lucasum listener chris paul or uh, reached out with this Hi, info <laughs> and he mentioned that his family had been at disneyland in late august and early september of this year and that we saw uh, boba fett and fennec shand on separate days in the space between the marketplace at blacksboro outpost and the rise of resistance ride and it was kind of intrigued that it's like, why there? And so did a little research and uh, pulled up an article that Brandy McDonald, a wonderful writer for the Orange County Register, did back in July of last year where he actually got a hold of Scott Trowbridge, the Imagineer who's the creative executive in charge of the Star Wars portfolio at the Disney Parks. And Brady just get basically got Scott to talk about the loose construct that Galaxy's Edge is. And that, yes, when the land opened in May of 2019, virtually all of the storytelling they were initially telling was, as Scott says, was set around a limited, pretty limited chunk of time and a, a limited group of characters, uh, Kylo Ren, Ray, And the timeline was set specifically between the end of Last Jedi and the beginning of Rise of Skywalker. But then in November of 2019, when Disney Plus debuted, and, and since they knew they had The Mandalorian coming, a decision was made to bump out the, the Star Wars stories that could be told in this section of Disneyland, you know, a much broader length of time. Now, mind you, this is only in Anaheim. You know, Walt Disney World's Galaxy's Edge is still sort of locked down between Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker. Is that because of the hotel? That's because of the hotel. Okay, all right. So as Scott said it, the idea of expanding Star Wars Galaxy's Edge beyond a single moment of time was now ready to be put into action. But how do you do this? People are still there to see Kylo Ren. They're still there to see Rey, but they also want to see Boba Fett and Fennec Shan. So the <laughs> imaginary solution is the story bubble. Didn't you mention before mm -hmm. that there are three different entrances from Disneyland into Galaxy's Edge? There are. There are. So this could be where the bubbles are? I wonder about that. And they don't necessarily like to be specific about that. In fact, McDonald talked with Stro Trowbridge about this, and it wasn't necessarily, he didn't want to talk about characters. He wanted to talk about what stories can we tell at Galaxy's Edge. So, okay. and if it's specifically said, it's less about a list of characters that may appear in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, but what stories make sense for them to participate in there? Because not every character we meet throughout our Star Wars storytelling can intersect with the story of Black Spire Outpost. So he goes on to say it makes perfect sense that bounty hunters like Boba Fett, Fennec Shand, and of course the Mandalorian, okay. you know, they could be in a shady outer rim thing like Batu. So it made sense for those characters to be there, but not everybody. Well, do they have enough room at, say, the Disney World's Galaxy's Edge that they could make a bubble, that they could make another part of Galaxy's Edge as the original Star Wars, or the prequels, or, or whatever, to where you could go through a mist 
through a tunnel, and then all of a sudden you're in Tantooine or going myth, you know, and then all of a sudden you're in Corsican or well, things like that. Okay. I mean, Here- it just seems to be that they're focused on one thing. Mm-hmm. And everybody loves everything of Star Wars. And they still want to see Darth Vader. They still want to see Obi-Wan Kenobi. They still want to see these these people they grew up on. And especially the older generation. And they're the ones that spend a lot of money. They are. They are. And speaking of spending a lot of money, the thing of the folks who go on the Galactic Star Cruiser, once they come off the ship for their shore day... The, the idea is they take the shuttle down from the Halcyon to Black Spire Outpost. They then have anywhere from three and a half to four hours worth of interaction and errands that they have to run all over the land so that they have then have the experience points that once they get back on board the ship later that same day, the experiences or the the props or that sort of thing they've gathered down at the surface then impact what they get to do on the boat for once they return there. And the problem is that the Imagineers made the decision that they scatter the... And remember, this is 60-some-odd cabins worth of people being sent down to the surface. So... This is a couple of hundred people at any one time who are running around Star Wars Galaxy's Edge doing things. Now, didn't Len do very well on this? He did. This, he like, did great. Savager hunt. He did. And he got to do the, the highly prized Yoda hologram, the thing that Star Wars fans see and weep. Now, he did, he did this at the beginning, so a lot of people weren't talking about that. Mm-hmm. But now a lot of people have talked about it, so are more people... Getting to see this this um, hologram and and getting to be pulled into this only if they do all of the stuff they're supposed to do on down on the planet surface, which right. again brings us back to the problem. Are you going to do it? Well, <laughs> I I, I, I want to see a Yoda hologram. I do, I do, but at the same time, I am kind of concerned that they don't want people to be distracted from their tasks. So that's why. Supposedly, right. Florida won't get the Mandalorian and Grogu, or for that matter, Boba Fett and Fennec Shand. Because but it, is there enough space there to build something else? It's a lot of rock and concrete. Okay, okay. I've been told there's an expansion pad there, but it you know, and it is Florida that there, there's always room for things. Well, there's nothing wrong with like at Disneyland. There's that parking lot mm-hmm. that we always hope there's something's going to be there. So what if there's some kind of space shuttle that goes from Galaxy's Edge mm-hmm. and brings you to, you know, through time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I just, Star Wars to me is everything, but come on. The the first one? Yeah. I mean, Princess Leia, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a trap, you know, just things like that mm-hmm. are just, are what gets a lot of people and, you know, a lot of people who are going on the, the ship. Mm-hmm. They're older mm-hmm. and they have the families. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just, I think it w- they didn't really think about it I will, too much. Uh, you know, uh, well, look, you know, when they were working on this, and again, remember, we were just talking yeah, about 2015. 
and they made The Force Awakens, and they made a movie that made $2 billion, $60 million. So they're like, oh, this is a good idea. Let's build everything around this new trilogy, not anticipating that you can look at the box office for the next two films, and it's like a set of stairs. It's like, you know, oh, we made less on, on Last Jedi, and oh, we made a lot less, you know, I mean, almost half of what The Force Awakens is what The Rise of Skywalker made. But by then, you get the steel's in the ground. They're, they're people sculpting the rocks for Batu, you know, right. so. Well, I still love it. I still am glad they have something like that. I just hope that they get a drink better than blue milk mm. so we can, like, drink our weight in it like if like butterbeer but still okay <laughs> i would love to see cassian Endor wandering around black fire outpost though from what we saw in the last episode he's not going anywhere soon but oh that's a spoiler nope. <laughs> okay uh all right tell you what folks give us a sec here when we get back we will uh start talking in depth about the last couple of episodes of star wars Andor. a week from today october 26th tales of the jedi a uh, new animated series from Lucasfilm uh, debuts on Disney Plus, and Brian, you dug down into this. So it's six episodes, is that correct? Yeah, there's still six, six episodes. Three, I think, are going to be about uh, a young Ahsoka, mm. and then the other ones are going to be about other characters. I think Dooku is mm -hmm. is one of them, but they're not long. Mm -hmm. They're all between ten minutes and seventeen minutes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they got um, there's titles like uh, Life and Death. Mm -hmm which is uh, written by Dave Filoni. Mm -hmm. uh, Justice, again, written by Dave. I think Dave wrote them all. So Life and Death, Justice, The Sith Lord, mm -hmm. Practice Makes Perfect, Coda, and Choices. Mm -hmm. So, no, he didn't write, write Choices, but he wrote everything else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just, yeah, so they're coming out. They're not long, but they're, all, they're shorts, mm -hmm. which I think is a, it's, it's a good thing to have because... Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't have a half an hour, but you always have 17 minutes. Okay. And Dave wrote five of them, but Saul Ruiz appears to have directed four of the pile here. So definitely worth checking out. Didn't he all write them on a plane trip or something? I, I don't think. Or I come up with the ideas? I think I heard the at at the um, Star Wars celebration. He said that he was on a, air, a plane trip and he came up with these ideas and he wrote all the ideas, all six ideas down in you know during the plane trip. Wow. Okay. That's why it's good to fly business class. <laughs> Let me guess. One story for each peanut that was in that little there, bag. There you go. Okay. And looking back toward the calendar, we are now. Two months out, basically, from Christmas, and you came across some some rather fun Star Wars related holiday or items. Yeah, this is so great because, as you know, it's not the holiday season. It's not even Halloween unless Christmas is around the corner. Mm -hmm. And I think it was in August. I went to Costco and they had the Christmas trees, so that was very nice. Um, I was singing Christmas carols to myself. Mm -hmm. But the neat things is they they have across the board. Things that every Star Wars fan will love. One is, of course, you know, from Hasbro, and they're coming out with a clone trooper helmet, and it has a voice changer technology. Mm -hmm. Now, I wonder if the voice that comes out of it is a New Zealand voice. <laughs> A New Zealand accent. Would it be? I mean, that would be, uh, well, you know. You know uh, <laughs> Darth Vader came out low and, you know, okay. so I don't know, it should be. Okay. Um, 
Also, there's uh, DC Shoes are coming out with a a kid product. It's a Boba Fett snow gear, mm-hmm. and it's got little boots, and it's got a poncho and the whole thing. And it's it's like they're and it's all in camouflage. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're kowtowing to the survivalist group out there. Look, Daddy, now I can be Boba Fett too, just like you and your friends. <laughs> All right. So. Now the ultimate. Now I have the other one, mm-hmm. the other Lego set, but they're coming out with the Razor mm. Ultimate Lego set. Ooh. And my my son's 21 years old mm-hmm. and I I taught him if he could stay away from things that will, you know, alter his mind too much. Mm-hmm. But he needs to get rid of stress. Mm-hmm. So what he does is he goes out and he gets the latest Lego thing and mm-hmm. This is major, Mm -hmm. so this could be equivalent to three hangovers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do we know how many pieces, or or do I not want to ask about this? I don't think they said how many pieces, but Mm -hmm. it's if it's the ultimate, Mm -hmm. there's got to be pieces that are just like so minuscule, you'll like inside maybe, or okay. I I think it's going to be cool to to see somebody put that one together. Absolutely. And then, of course, Lennox, mm-hmm. the, uh, what are they, China? Mm-hmm. They come out with a ornament every year. Mm-hmm. And this one is Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And he's holding a very big candy cane, mm-hmm. which he's not even holding it like a lightsaber, mm-hmm. but it's like this huge candy cane. And it's like, is that a candy cane lightsaber or are you just happy to see me? Okay, tip your okay, waiters. Maybe Good I night. Okay, yeah, there we yeah. go. <laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Tip your waiters. Mm-hmm. And then the best thing, mm-hmm. the best thing, which I think I'll have to get for myself. Mm-hmm. You, you've heard of the Galactic Pals? I have. Okay, well, they're coming out with an Ewok plush. Mattel's coming out with this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, like, get them while they're young, Evita. Get them while they're young. <laughs> I mean, bring in the, you know, have them spend the dollar, the almighty dollar when they're young and they know this is what makes me happy. Wow. I could so, just uh, you applaud the Andrew Lloyd Webber reference in there. That's, well, wow. Okay. Well, that's the first thing that came to me. It's like, <laughs> you let them drink the Kool-Aid. Yep. Okay. So... And yeah, that, that those are the big five ones. I'm sure there's going to be other things. Of course, Hallmark has theirs, mm-hmm. and um, also Walmart and Target always have a a neat little group of Star Wars ornaments and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just like one of the you know, but it's not like the same. Remember the Disney stores mm-hmm. and all the great ornaments they had there. Yeah, you so. know, I and and. Let's face it, you know, given the timing, we aren't going to get, I mean, I I guess there are Cassian or or Star Wars and or t-shirts out there and maybe posters and that sort of thing, but. And there's a, there's a um, Pop Funko too. Oh, okay. There's not, there's nothing else. I haven't seen any Black Series or any kind of figures for Andor. I'm looking for my Luthen as a happy, deceptive shopkeeper. That would be great. That would be great. Oh, I want I want a Claren one as she, you know, when she's the glam, when she's fit. Well, we'll talk about okay. that Okay, okay. Now, <laughs> since we last talked about Star Wars Andor, the, we've had actually three episodes go by. One of the reasons I insisted that we record tonight is so that Brian and I could actually talk in real time having just viewed episode seven, but man, a lot has gone on. And 
I'm going to leave it to you to try to do, oh, do, really? do, recap this. So, because, <laughs> you know, when last we left off, Luthen had recruited Cassian for this heist of an imperial payroll. Episode four is basically... It didn't put the the people in place yet. It just introduced the characters, mm -hmm. and we still had, um, you know, we still were watching Cyril mm -hmm. and his mother, mm -hmm. which is one of the funniest and most awkward things I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And what kind of what what is he? What's that cereal he's eating? I I don't know, and, but you gotta love Lucasfilm. They're still trying to make the blue milk thing work. Yeah, yeah, they're still doing it. They they had that blue milk anywhere, and it's really weird from his his bedroom mm -hmm. did you see like outside the window it's it's very you you it's looking up mm -hmm. at everything yeah but there's that one shot that he wakes up and there's the sun mm -hmm. just in his face but then all of a sudden it's gone yeah so he's seeing the light and then it just walks away from him so he's really he again it seems to be a theme mm -hmm. he's a broken man yep but remember he's a man who is broken by cassian that again, it, this is all the fault of one man, and we sit and watch that fester. Yeah, well, so originally, the first arc was basically Cassian's origin story, mm -hmm. and I don't know if we're going to see a lot of those people again. We do see some of them in episode seven, but I think they're basically going to be in our rearview mirror. Mm -hmm. But the second arc is basically a heist, mm -hmm. and also the heist is—I don't know if you'd call it a MacGuffin. But it's the thing that keeps everything, starts everything. Mm -hmm. It starts the revolution. It starts the Imperials, the Empire, mm -hmm. to realize that something is going on. Mm -hmm. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. So the heist is basically, it goes back to like the those um, World War II heist movies, you know, Guns of Navarone, yeah. where Eagles yeah. Dare, and even Kelly's Heroes, mm -hmm. because Gold in, in, is involved. Mm -hmm. Kelly's Heroes, I think, is one of the most underrated films. Okay. But you call the gym, they get away with it. Mm -hmm. But as in Ro Rogue One, mm -hmm. almost everybody dies because they don't populate A New Hope or Beyond. So characters that we thought, okay, maybe they might you know, hang out for a little bit, mm -hmm. especially Nemec, mm -hmm. who turns out to be one of, you know, I think he's one of everybody's favorite characters. Mm -hmm. His legs get crushed, and then they fill him full of adrenaline to get them through the eye, mm -hmm. and and they escape with the money. Mm -hmm. And Gorn, who was fed up with everything, with the garrison, mm -hmm. with the Empire, he gets killed, Terramin gets killed, and then there's the surprise. Mm -hmm. The thing that just they get they basically get away with it, but as always in a heist, something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. There's always a fly in the ointment, and this is one of the corporals who thinks there's something wrong. So he goes down there and he starts a whole war, and that's why a lot of people get killed. But they get away with eighty million credits, mm -hmm. so that's substantial. So as they get away, they go. Through the eye, which is this amazing meteor shower mm -hmm. that it, it mixes the aurora borealis with falling stars, mm -hmm. and it's just beautiful. And then there's also subplots of the the Haris going to the temple and how our squad gets in by first of all following the Daharis mm -hmm. and then following the commander and his family in. And yes, they get away with it, which 
you kind of, like I said, you called it. And then at the, they go to a planet where this forearm doctor tries to save Nemec, which was just amazing special effects. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it was, it, it had to be CGI, right? It wasn't, you don't think it was practical or? Hard to say. I mean, I, it, it is hard to say. It's entirely possible to do, you know, the doctor with two arms and then in post, put, you know, insert the other. Oh, two, that's right. But. Yeah. So anyway, while they're waiting to find out what's happening with them, they meaning Skeen and Andor, Skeen basically makes Andor an offer hmm. that they take the ship, leaving Vel, you know, leaving Vel there hmm. and split the money. And Andor says, well, I thought you were a, a rebel. And he goes, I am a rebel. It's me against everyone. And then he realizes that even if he helped him, he's not going to let him live. Mm-hmm. So he takes out Skeen. Mm-hmm. And he goes to Vel, tells him that Skeen was planning on, this is what he was planning all the time, and says, I just want what's, what's owed to me. Mm-hmm. And he takes his credits and he leaves. But the other stories that are going on is you have Deidre, mm-hmm. who's the supervisor, and she's realizing there's something going on. These military things are missing, like a, um, specific pieces of high tech equipment. To, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. but the, yeah, and it, it's it seems like it's random. Mm-hmm. Well, like she says, it's too random to be random. Mm-hmm. And she realizes something's going on here, but she's got this nemesis named Blevin, mm-hmm. who is basically just, if you look in the supervisor's room mm-hmm. where everybody's talking, she and one other female mm-hmm. are the only females in the whole thing, surrounded by, it's got to be, what, 30 men? Mm-hmm. So nobody takes her seriously. And she just feels that there's something going wrong. Meanwhile, Cyril's mother tells him that Uncle Harlow didn't think he was set out mm-hmm. to be doing police work, and then maybe he can get him another kind of job. Mm-hmm. And so you're just you're just watching his he going down and down and down, mm-hmm. and then you're watching Deidre, and she's not being listened to, but she feels that something's going wrong. And it's like what I I think um, Andor said at the beginning. He says that they don't care about us; mm-hmm. they don't see us. We can just walk in and take something because they don't worry about us. Mm-hmm. But now they're going to have to worry about them. And that's where episode seven comes in. There is that wonderful scene where Monta, uh, I, I, I want to say her name. Monmotha. Monmotha shows up unannounced at Luthen's Collectibles place and you know under you know sort of the uh, you know the, the ruse of oh my husband liked this but doesn't love this and then you know uh is immediately did you do this and to do what you know oh uh, because yeah he denies it right away mm-hmm. but and as far as luthan is concerned this had to happen this was you know this was the the rebellion needed an inciting event i mean it needed money that's where the 80 million credits comes in. But it needed the inciting event. It needed the the Empire to overreach. And boy, do they overreach. So what, what did they say? What did um, Yularen say? Hmm. He said, we are going to close the fist. Yep. Mm-hmm. And didn't Princess Leia, mm-hmm. 
What did she say in uh, to? The, I think it was Vader. No, to Tarkin. Yeah, something to the effect that the more you tighten your fingers, the more star systems slip through your hands, or something that effect. Slip through your yeah. So and that's exactly what's happening here, mm-hmm. and that's what Luthen wanted. I mean, the Empire was just keeping people in check, mm-hmm. and they weren't pissing people off enough mm-hmm. for them to fight back. Mm-hmm. But now. This is going to, A, mm-hmm. they're going to see somebody did it, mm-hmm. so we can do this. And B, it's going to cause, it's causing the Empire to be more, using more draconian measures mm-hmm. to get people more pissed off and then more people will join the resistance. That brings me to one of the more intriguing moments, I think, in the show is that Cassian going back and, you know, basically with the hope of collecting his adoptive mother, Marva, and I have the money. I can, let's get out of here. Let's go someplace warm. And and she now wants to stay because for the first time she has hope in regard to the rebellion. And it's like, oh, God, no. <laughs> you know, uh, you know I, and that was the thing, to, to watch poor Cassian his face when he realized that he had gone home again, hoping to be happy, hoping to get people out. And it's like, and that's not what, that's what's happening at all. No. Well, I think one of the reasons is because that's where her husband, whose name was Clem, was killed. Mm -hmm. And you see in a flashback that he was killed by, um, it's, it's like one of those horrible things that you see. It shouldn't have happened. And, it's just horrible. And then, and now you know why Andor was in um, the, what was it, CIFO Detention Center mm-hmm. when he was 13? Mm-hmm. Because he went after. Mm-hmm. Now, were those clone I want to say yes. But again, okay. it would, this is what is fascinating to me about Cassie and Andor, that it, it is genuinely a tapestry. There are so many different story threads and you know the, the even how they handle the uh the flashbacks or the you know the, the the crucial backstory elements it's all you know getting it unveiled you we have our main story just charging ahead but you'll get those sorts of the kind of flashbacks that will really give you color and understanding of right how characters got to where they are and marva doesn't want to leave because mm-hmm. she sees that Ferex was was basically where it began mm-hmm. because of because of Andor and what he did. Mm-hmm. Where Bix thinks the same way, but the opposite. She feels the opposite. Like, look what you did. Mm-hmm. You made this worse. You made this worse for us. Mm-hmm. Where Marva says you made this better for us. Mm-hmm. Now we're all gonna fight back, and you can see it's just it's the two the two sides just coming together mm-hmm. but still it doesn't change andor's idea at all he wanted to get the money he wanted to leave mm-hmm. that's all he wanted to do he didn't care about the empire versus the resistant he had nothing to do with it so mm-hmm. he takes his money and he leaves mm-hmm. where does he go to miami <laughs> yeah miami in space and yeah what was it nemo nemo's or something I, 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 I want to say yes and yeah Nemo's Boy, thing. I did not see this turn coming. I mean, mind you, no. 
They did set this up in the big meeting at the Empire where they just talked about, again, as they, they tightened the fist, taxes must be paid in full and previous penalties, every jail sentence must become the maximum. Yes, yeah, so they set this up. Yeah. yeah, but to see that story thread paid off or introduced at the end of, of episode seven for me was shocking. I mean, I, I know he goes by the name. He, he's got a new identity, mm-hmm. Keith Grigo. Yep. And he, he has a, a, a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. He's living in a nice place or maybe they're just visiting. Maybe they're in a hotel mm-hmm. and he gets caught up in something similar to what happened to his father. Mm-hmm. And then we see what are the XKs? Mm-hmm. We see, no, the KX, the KX droids. Yep. Now, um, you know, everybody wants to see KS-90 or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. But um, this is the first time we see them, and there's their security droids. Mm-hmm. droids. And as you said, the fist, it used to be a six-month sentence, mm-hmm. and now it's six, six years. years. And this is the thing. I mean, I get that. They they mentioned that, you know, this is going to cover, you know, five years worth of story, but it just sort of like, I did not see this turn coming. I thought he would go to ground and stay hidden. And the fact that literally he's only had his money. In fact, that, that was the other thing. You think about he's just been tossed in jail, but he's hidden his funds in that hotel room yeah. with his the girl he picked up, you know, at, at Space Miami. And it's like, where does this go? So what intrigues me so far about Star Wars Andor is the real skill in which the chess pieces have been placed on the board and, and moved. Yes. And uh, we haven't even talked of the, the storyline of Mon Mothma. Um, yeah, Monmotha. Okay. Monmothra. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and how, her and her childhood friend. There we go. And he's how. He's a banker. Uh, yeah. That, that, and that cocktail talk wandering through the party where smile and nod and. Six minutes. Yeah. It was a long scene. It was. It was. And, but it was interesting to watch how it sort of teetered back and forth where he was like, I don't know as I should be talking with you because my politics have become, you know, rather radical. And it's like, oh, honey, <laughs> you know, yeah. let me talk to you about politics. And the whole time they have been also delineating the strain on her marriage, the strain of her relationship with her daughter, and the fact that when we see this woman later in the Star Wars saga, there is no mention of daughter. There is no mention of husband. So husband. I have a, a very uneasy feeling that this part of the story does not end well. But at the same time, I felt confident about the heist. At this point, Brian, I have no idea where this story is going with him now supposedly being assigned to jail for six years. And more to the point, Cyril is now appearing to be yeah. in a... Oh my God, he's in a Kafka nightmare. Yeah, how do we get all of these pieces back into play? Well, there was some foreshadowing. Okay. Remember when his mother said, mm-hmm. your collar is too high, and this shows that you have no self-confidence mm-hmm. and that you're you're trying to be better than everybody? Mm-hmm. And then you cut to Deidre, mm-hmm. Mera, mm-hmm. who is the supervisor, and she's got a high collar. Mm-hmm. But then when he goes to, the, when Cyril goes to the interview, mm-hmm. his collar looks lower. Mm-hmm. 
So he listens to his mother. But in that, the foreshadowing is, I think that they're going to connect somehow. Mm. That they're go- that she's going to find out that he knows something, mm-hmm. and she's going to bring him into the mix, and he all of a sudden will be um, Jarvet. Mm-hmm. I just feel that he's in there. I mean, why else would they, we be following Oh, no, no, him? no, 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 no. I, I, yeah. I think you're totally correct there. I think that is the eventual path for this character, but I'll be damned if I can see how that happens oh, I know. At, at this I point. Know. And, and I don't know how that's going to happen either. But mm-hmm. remember the scene near the end mm-hmm. where her, um, I guess, adversary, the Imperials are the antagonists, mm-hmm. okay? No doubt about that. We don't like them. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, we're rooting Mm -hmm. for supervisor Mira Mm -hmm. against, you know, because we know that even though she's figuring it out, Mm -hmm. we're going, yeah, she's figuring out going, wait, no, no, Mm -hmm. we don't want her to figure out. But Bevan tries to take her down Mm -hmm. and she starts telling people, Mm -hmm. no, this is what's happening. There's something going on here. Mm -hmm. And what's his name? Park Hearts. Mm -hmm. He realizes, the major realizes that she's right. And he shuts Bevan down. And it was really weird because here, here are the antagonists, but I was rooting for her. Mm-hmm. But in rooting for her, mm-hmm. it starts them realizing what the resistance is doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really weird how they the writing was brilliant in that way, that you're rooting for somebody who is the enemy. Yeah. And at the same time, though, what was kind of interesting was to, you know, walk with me. And yeah, the warning as they're patting that watch your back. Yes, you have my attention and let's pursue this idea, but also be aware that, you know, you now have a target on your back. And But when he said well played, yeah. there was so much mm-hmm. like... He really, not appreciated, but he realized that the way she did it Mm -hmm. was, you know, she knocked down the queen. She won. Mm -hmm. Or the king, I should say. So we have five episodes left in the first season. And they say it's two arcs. And And the next arc is three. And then the last two is arc. The same director Mm -hmm. um, that directed this one is directing the last two. I think this is a masterful storytelling. Oh, yeah. All right. But what do you make of the the news that in comparison to Obi-Wan or Book of Boba Fett or Mandalorian, Star Wars Andor is the lowest viewed Star Wars series on Disney Plus to date? Yeah. First of all, except for Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. all the other shows are episodic. Mm-hmm. This one is contained movies mm-hmm. in the arcs, okay? I think what's happening is people saw the first three, and I think the first three did pretty well, mm-hmm. and now they're going to wait. They're going to see them in arcs, and they're going to binge them because this is a bingeable show because there's so much going on that each arc has a different vibe to it, and if you're watching it episodical like we are, things start meshing and, and getting a little bit confused. If you watch them in the arcs, then you you feel more like you're developing the story. I mean, because the second arc, a very slow burn until the last episode. Mm-hmm. But everybody was set up. And it was it was tension. You were you were just seeing like people going around about their day and 
And because this is prequels, mm-hmm. we know that some people survive. And even though we know mm-hmm. that Andor will survive, well, we didn't know he was going to be in prison. Mm-hmm. And probably in prison is where he finds the manifesto and becomes what he is in Rogue One. But after this season, there's 12 more episodes, which will probably be in arcs of three also. So I just I just feel that people aren't watching it. They're watching it, but they're not watching it like every week, like they watch the other ones. And I think you're going to see that because the reviews are incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's really funny because... Mm-hmm. I guess they called this episode the most the most Star Wars episode, mm-hmm. and it's because we saw clone mm-hmm. troopers. We saw we still haven't seen a, a lightsaber, mm-hmm. but we've seen more things out of the Star Wars mythology. Mm-hmm. But still, I think people have to. You have to show them stuff like that to get them used to it, to get them ready for other things. I mean, Skeleton Crew mm-hmm. could be completely different. Mm-hmm. I mean, Acolyte, we know that's going to be different. So Andor, I think, is setting us up to show us that we can do anything in the Star Wars galaxy. It doesn't always have to be Jedi versus Sith. Which brings us back to Taika Waititi's non-Skywalker right. saga film. and. Supposedly, as of August, that entered development hell. But I'm enjoying this limited series, and I love the fact that I've watched so much television, so much film over my lifetime. I can usually predict where a story is going, and I don't know where this is going. Which is no, I don't either. Which is fun for me. But I'm just hoping we're going to see like Saw um, Guerrero, mm-hmm. and like well, we'll saw, probably see them next season. But I think next season is just going to be basically the prequel to Rogue One, where this is just the backstory. I think the next season's going to be just lead up to it. Well, I know I bring this up all the time, but the fact that even in the episode that dropped today, you literally had Marva, you know, tell Cassian before he left, you know, to the effect of, and stop this foolish quest for your sister, that you weren't responsible right. for what happened. On, and it just sort of like... Forgot about that. And, and But see, that's the thing. And that started this whole thing going. That's it exactly. That's it exactly. So it's it's one of these things where even the cast-off story thread circled back in today. So it's like, where's this going? So to people who haven't seen Andor yet and listen to us anyway, we didn't give away many spoilers at all so it won't ruin it for you and if you're waiting to binge it all at one time congratulations to you that you have the the uh, the word is patience self-control all right yeah. i can't do that but i think know. i'm i'm definitely i and i i've done it with the other ones i did it with um, obi-wan and i'm definitely gonna binge this at one time mm-hmm. to all 12 hours because it's such a I mean, the acting for, you know, alone mm-hmm. is just enough to just make you happy that these people and no, these t- things exist. Tony Gilroy, between the writing and the directing, done an amazing yeah. job. But five more to go and be interesting to see where we end at, at the end of our season one. And speaking of ending, folks, we're going to wrap up right now. So uh, tell you what, Brian, can you tell folks where can they find you on social media? Um, I have a Twitter account. It's geek with children and children is spelled C H I L D R N. Mm -hmm. 
And um, so I'm on Twitter and and I throw things up there every once in a while. Cool, cool. Uh, social media for us. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram is Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. Uh, also want to remind you, we have a couple other podcasts here. Uh, we got, of course, Disney Dish that I do with Len Testa. Uh, likewise, we have Fine Tuning, which I do with Drew Taylor. And we, of course, have Marvelous Disney, which I do in our, with Aaron Adams. And if you could do Brian and I a favor, if you could head, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend the, the, the show you're listening to right now, looking at Lucasfilm, that would be helpful. Thank you for listening to Brian and myself. And we'll be back with a brand new Looking at Lucasfilm very, very soon.